Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. Welcome to Industry Focus. Today is Wednesday, September 21st, and I'm your host, Emily Flippin. Today, I am joined by Carl Thiel, who is making his first industry-focused debut as a full-time advisor on our team here at The Fool, and we're going to be talking CRISPR gene editing technology. Carl, you've been a long-time fool, but you're a relatively new full-time fool. So how's That's it going right. so far? It's It's been going great. It's, uh, you know, I... I, I get to f- see how the sausage is made in a different way, I suppose, and the sausage is yummy. So it's well, good hopefully stuff. It, yeah, hopefully it hasn't turned off your appetite seeing behind the <laughs> scenes a little bit. Um, well, as part of our team, you've been heading up our new biotech breakthrough service. So I thought it'd be fun to have you on today and talk CRISPR technology. I will say um, that A, should not be confused with CRISPR Therapeutics, which is just one of a handful of companies that are looking to capitalize on this technology. Uh, but I will say, I am a generalist a bit in this space. Um, I know that you've been working in and following this space for, for decades. So you have a lot more specialized knowledge here than I do. So uh, selfishly, I'm really excited to hear you, uh, I guess, give your thoughts about this entire industry. Yes. So what, what, what should, where, where, where should we start? I mean, we're going to talk about like what I think CRISPR or, or gene editing more generally can do. Yeah, let's talk about it. I mean, I think there are probably a lot of listeners, maybe I'm wrong, but maybe there are a lot of listeners out there who have never even heard of CRISPR technology before. So, you know, maybe start with just explaining to us what is CRISPR and should they be excited by it? Yeah, you know, one of the things that's been really interesting about the past year or so is that a bunch of stuff that seemed really esoteric and out of the mainstream has become more so. So, you know, a lot of people are now are familiar with like, what are monoclonal antibodies and, and how do we use them and why? And um, CRISPR is another one of those things that, that uh, considering that it's a sort of geeky lab technique, it's actually, you know, relatively well known, I think, even among the, the general populace, just because it's, it's captured so much of the, uh, the, the popular imagination. Basically, it, you know, it often gets referred to as a pair of genetic scissors. So the idea is that you, you have this uh, mechanism that can go in and very precisely in a genome make a cut where you want to. Um, so you can excise little bits of DNA. Um, you can potentially excise little bits of DNA and insert new things in their place. So ultimately, the idea is that much like gene therapy, you can introduce new genes where there were, say, faulty genes or or stop some faulty process from happening in the genome. And the implications of that are, uh, it's interesting. You can look at it two ways. The implications of it are massive uh, when you think about what- I'm going to say what, dystopian. <laughs> well, right, right. So, so it could be terrifying. It be, could be fantastic. And then there's the reality as well. Um, which is, I think, quite a bit different from from you know how people think about the potential of the technology. And that potential, it's not really being capitalized on right now. Am I right in saying that? There are a lot of businesses out there that see the opportunity, but to the best of my knowledge, there is no like FDA approved like CRISPR based, uh, I guess, treatment currently. Right. That's true. I you know one thing that I think often gets 
uh, uh, overlooked in this field is that CRISPR actually is has is having a massive um, commercial implication every day, which is that it's very very widely used as a laboratory technique. And usually, what happens is when a uh, say an academic institution makes a discovery, they lock up a bunch of patents around it, which is exactly what happened with CRISPR. I mean, that that's a point of contention, but nevertheless, there are some key patents in that area. And um, and they kind of hold onto it tightly when it goes to human therapeutics, but when it comes to using it as a research tool, it gets very, it's very easy to use. It's very, you know, widely licensed around. And so labs all over the world are using CRISPR every day. And, um, and you can imagine what you use it for. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the genome that isn't isn't understood. So you can use CRISPR. The, the 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 beauty of CRISPR is that it's cheap, it's easy, it's fast. So you go in and you're you know at the most simple level, just say like, hey, I'm going to knock out this gene from a system so that I can see what difference it makes. So I have some idea what that gene does. Right, that kind of stuff is going on all the time, and and that's that's incredibly important. What you you know you're talking about is is there a a CRISPR-based cure or anything like that, and no, there's there's nothing yet. In fact, there's you know, work is still in the scheme of things relatively early at this stage. When I think about the two publicly traded companies that I'm familiar with working on CRISPR technology, the first one is CRISPR Therapeutics, second one being Editas Medicine. I've always struggled, I suppose, differentiating the technology between these two businesses. Now, obviously, each are going after, uh, I guess, different therapeutics. Right, different treatments for for different diseases. But you just mentioned that CRISPR technology itself has has been in labs. It's been licensed. Is there any fundamental difference between businesses about how they're approaching CRISPR? Yeah. So uh, you know, into that mix. So you mentioned Editas and you mentioned CRISPR Therapeutics. I would also throw in Intelia is another um, publicly traded company that gets a lot of attention. And there's there's others at this point. There's Beam Therapeutics. There's Caribou. Uh, and and you know we can get into some of the stuff that's kind of adjacent to that that that's coming up. But um, I, you know I would say at this point you you watch these companies and they sort of seem to to you know jockey ahead of each other or behind ben, depending on who's doing what and and what little bits of data they might be putting out. I would say the most fundamental difference at this point is are you how, how are you using the technology? So Editas started early on with the idea of we are going to do in vivo CRISPR therapeutics. So in other words, we're going to go give you an injection, it will do its work, it will hopefully affect a cure, and that's it. And um, CRISPR therapeutics started earlier on with ex vivo stuff, which is we're going to take cells out, we are going to manipulate them in the laboratory, then we are going to reintroduce them to you. Um, and that's that's called ex vivo work. Now, I'm gonna be clear: CRISPR Therapeutics, Editas, Intelia—they're all doing both in vivo and ex vivo. They're both pursuing both things, but it's kind of where each company has has kind of initially focused. Um, so that that's a key difference. And and you could probably imagine, obviously, an in vivo therapy—somebody where you're just like, hey, we give you an injection, we give you. You know, ideally, we give you a pill, we give you something like that. That's that's a lot easier. That fits a lot more into a standard commercial model. The other one is a little more complicated. Um, so I think that that explains some of the the difference. I will say, um, I, I follow Editas a bit, and I've struggled with that investment. Um, 
just because it always has felt a bit like a waiting game. Um, you know, you follow the news, maybe they take a step forward in terms of, of getting approval for a clinical trial or a step backwards as competitors get approvals. And trying to just get new drug applications to even start testing on treatments using that CRISPR technology. And all the meanwhile, they're just burning through CapEx, right? They're just putting money into to research and development. And as an investor, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm twiddling my fingers, uh, waiting for something to happen. You never really know what. So I'm curious, when you think about investing in CRISPR technology, is it something that is worth the thumb twiddling, right? So worth sitting through the CapEx, getting maybe a basket exposure to the industry, or is there a right time, right? Should we wait until we see, um, I guess, meaningful improvements, maybe even an approval for, for certain types of treatments after those things happen? That That is... That is such a that's a great question and a really big question. Apologies. Um, and no, well, just because it's it's the like you know should I take the risk of of d investing in development stage biotech or should I wait until a product is approved? And uh, you know, honestly, you can take both approaches. You can you can justify them. So I mean, I will say like specifically in the case of Editas, this is a, a company that's been you know recommended before by the Motley Fool, and I will just point out that uh, it's beating the market by um, over a hundred percentage points since our original recommendation. So obviously that was not a bad time. That was that was uh, after the IPO, uh, not that long after the IPO. Actually, at a time when Editas was literally the only publicly traded CRISPR company. So. Not a bad time for that, but you know you could ask. Obviously, if you invest in something early and you take all the risk and wait through all of the trials and everything else, and they're successful, you're probably going to come out ahead. But you could ask, like, was that is that was that worth the risk-adjusted wait? And it's really hard to say. I, you know, there are there's so many uncertainties, and sometimes you know analysts are terrible at predicting not only the success rate of drugs, but also like how will that drug sell in the market. If you think that you have a bead on something that's going to do better in the market that's expected, by all means, you can do great waiting until it's approved, take that part of the risk out of the equation, and just invest then, and you can do really well. But in the case of this field in CRISPR, I think there's just so many... <sighs> It's evolving so quickly, and there's so many discoveries going on that if you want to be in it, you know, I think it 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 makes sense to maybe take a, a basket approach and be looking around the the edges of it um, opportunistically. Now, what do you think? Would you say is the most uh, or is largest misunderstanding that investors may have about CRISPR technology? As, as someone who's followed the space, is there anything that you see or read about that just irks you, that drives you insane because it's just so wrong? Well, I, I guess just that um, basically that there's only three companies in the space, I think is is one of the, I'm not sure that that's an ironclad perception, but a lot of people talk about that. It's like, oh, there's CRISPR and Intellia and Editas. Um, I mean, there's just, there's so much going on. And, and part of the, I think there was this hope early on, there was this big patent fight and it was like, somebody's going to own CRISPR. Is it going to be Editas? Is it going to be CRISPR Therapeutics? But somebody's going to own it. Like, nobody is going to own this um, because there's just it's just changed so quickly, right? So there's the CRISPR, what was called the CRISPR-Cas9 mechanism was the sort of original discovery. But since then, people are using all these other editing mechanisms that are related. Um, and those aren't so. You, you've now got a number of really interesting private companies coming up, um, and I'll just mention a few. 
Uh, one is Arbor Biotechnologies, which uh, recently partnered with Vertex. Vertex is already partnered with CRISPR Therapeutics, but they're um, you know, partnering with Arbor as well. Arbor has a different CAS mechanism for editing that's a little more compact, uh, might potentially have some advantages. Hard, you know, there's not really any evidence right now, but it's, you know, it's certainly interesting enough. Um, you've got uh, Excision. Um, I think it's Excision Biotherapeutics. I might have the last part of the name wrong, but um, they just got FDA approval to go ahead with a uh, clinical trial in HIV, which is basically, and they're using a different mechanism now. They're go, um, they're going in, and and because HIV is a retrovirus, it incorporates itself into the into the genome. They're going in and basically finding it and shredding it out, with the idea that you could hopefully create a functional cure for somebody who you know is otherwise on lifelong um, uh, antiviral treatment. Um, there's companies that are using it now for diagnostics. Uh, both Sherlock is one, and Mammoth Biosciences is another one that's pursuing diagnostics. Both pretty, you know, well advanced with COVID tests. And again, this the idea would be that you get sort of PCR level accuracy, but you know, in 15 minutes or something like that, and hopefully quite cheaply. So there's there's just an enormous amount going on in the field. And I will also point out that CRISPR is not the only gene editing technology out there. And it's kind of the new kid on the block. So there's, you know, a technology called Talon uh, that's been around for quite a long time. Um, there are other gene editing techniques out there. And honestly, it's not entirely clear that, that CRISPR is better, uh, or certainly it's not probably unlikely to be better in every circumstance. Um, there are definitely circumstances where you're going to be wanting to use one of these other ones. And I think it's great all the attention that CRISPR has gotten because I think it's it's moved forward a lot of gene editing platforms, including ones uh, that maybe weren't getting as much attention. So I think there's just kind of more investment in the area and that helps all this move forward. Well, I can understand the attention because it, it just sounds like when you talk about all the things that could treat, you mentioned diabetes, sickle cell, HIV. I mean, the possibilities almost seem completely endless here. So it's understandable that people would think, oh, well, this is an attractive opportunity. There's lots of different places that I can invest. Uh, The opportunities are just going to continue to be endless. But we still haven't seen any real movement, um, again, for for CRISPR-based therapeutic treatments for these diseases. What's holding CRISPR back? Is it some process that is, you know, we just need more time to go through the, you know, the FDA approval process, or is it an issue that, you know, hey, maybe CRISPR just really isn't great for treating everything, but only these specific diseases? Yeah, well, I mean, it's not going to be great for treating everything, or certainly not for a long time. I mean, the the low-hanging fruit here is diseases that are controlled by um, a mutation in a single gene. And that's actually not that many diseases, but it is some very important ones. So something like sickle cell or beta thalassemia or potentially hemophilia or something like, you know, HIV, where you can go and and find a very specific sequence and and kind of tread it. so, uh, but this is just, a, it's not, it's not just CRISPR. I mean, this is just, you know, I think a frustrating process to maybe investors who don't spend a lot of time in the drug development space, which is that stuff takes, you know, in the best of circumstances, you can spend 10 years pursuing something. And when you're talking about a new, uh, um, a new way of approaching medicines, I mean, you look at like RNAi, RNAi has been fantastic for a company like Allnylum. But, you know, 
took a lot, you know, kind of went, had to go through the, the valley of despair there before it came out on the other end, took many years to develop something like antisense kind of finally coming into its own. I mean, that got plugged away at for 30 years, gene therapy stuff started in the early nineties. I mean, it just takes a really long time and that could definitely lead to some disappointment for people. I think CRISPR has actually moved along remarkably quickly. Um, there's already proof of concept data. So uh, you know, I actually, I actually think they're doing great, but you know, it can, it can be frustrating. <laughs> it shows how impatient I am as an investor. I will say my very limited experience that I've had investing in biotech companies, I have learned to take for the management teams that are bold enough to provide some expectations in terms of timeline. Um, I, I don't even read those timelines anymore because I presume it's going to take at least three times as long as management believes it's going to. Again, just based off my limited experience. Well, they're not always that bad, but yeah, certainly I, I, there was some fr- with Editas in particular. I mean, it took him a really long time to get that first trial rolling, and um, honestly, I think that that's why. I mean, if you look at Editas versus the market caps of uh, Intelia and CRISPR Therapeutics, say it's quite a bit lower, and I, that's not without reason i you know they've had some management turnover they were slower than you hoped for and that's I, that's really them i think rather than the the field in general i mean uh, the some other companies have been able to move along a little more quickly well, as a human and as an investor, I hope that CRISPR does continue to move along really quickly. It's an exciting place to to even just research. If you're not interested in investing in it for listeners out there who recognize their own risk tolerances as too risk adverse or their time horizon is simply too short to take on the risk that CRISPR technology will have in, in decades of, of development, still continue to follow the space just as a curious person, as a researcher, because the work that's being done here really is uh, life-changing for for millions of people. Uh, So I appreciate you coming on and and kind of giving us some background knowledge (laughs) that I lacked here, Carl, regarding CRISPR technology. Well, you're certainly welcome. And there are other ways to invest also than buying these companies directly. I mean, you know, I mentioned Vertex Pharmaceuticals. Regeneron is another company that's partnered, you know, that's a big diverse company that is partnered in the space. So there, there, and, and there are a slew of smaller, cheaper companies that are doing different kinds of editing. There's a lot of stuff you can do. So it, it is exciting. Well, Carl, thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks. And hopefully we'll have you on again soon at some time in the future. I'm going to stick around. So you'll have <laughs> to hope. have me. listeners that does it for this episode of industry focus if you have any questions or just want to reach out to say hey shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or tweet at us at mf industry focus as always people on the program may own companies discussed on the show and the motley fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear thanks to tim sparks for his work behind the screen today for carl thiel i'm emily flippin thanks for listening and fool on